And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a king wearing a magnificent crown. No, Dad, that's not it. Oh, really? Let me try it again. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a powerful, well-trained soldier. No, Dad, you did it again. That's not right. Okay, uh, how about this? And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a democratically elected president. What? No. A trendy motivational speaker. No way. A big tech CEO. A movie star. Time-traveling cyborg? Those are right. The shepherds weren't going to find any of those. Okay then, little Miss Know-It-All. What did they find? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Oh, that's right. A baby. Does that even make sense? A, a baby is totally helpless. Yeah, but if Jesus didn't come as a baby, mm -hmm. then he would have known what it was like to grow up. Ah, but wait. Why did he have to grow up? That's easy. To save us. Ah, well then that means that the best part about Christmas is... The baby. Right, the baby. Oh, well, I guess it's time you get some sleep. We got a big day ahead of us tomorrow. No. Okay, just a little longer. And suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with
Oh, my. Well, Merry Christmas to y'all. Have a seat. I'm sure you're very, very tired already, right? I mean, probably got up at 5.30, right? Not me. Uh-uh. Okay. Anyway, uh, you know, it's, it, what is more Christmassy than doing what we're about to do? I was thinking very specifically uh, as we got up to this service, I'm like, I don't want little kids up here with a snotty and all that other stuff. But I've determined, you know, there's nothing more Christmassy than like an impromptu thing with kids who, you know, don't really know the song I'm about to, to teach them. So if you have a child and they love the song Silent Night, anybody ever heard of Silent Night? Anybody know Silent Night? No, no one's ever heard of it. Well, I'll teach you. It's no big deal. It's not very hard. Oh, you do know it. Okay, good. So if you do uh, want to come up and sing this, these lovely ladies here are going to corral you, as one does. Uh, and what we're going to do is we're going to sing Silent Night. So if you want to come sing it with us, it'd be awesome going up here. Now, the reason why this is very special is this is Doc Pattison, our senior minister. It's his favorite song of all time. I was telling everybody last night, he loves two things. He loves death metal and he loves Silent Night. And so they're very similar, right? Both of these things are. You guys can get up onto the stage a little bit. You know, don't be so scared. <laughs> like, this is my big moment, right? Anyway, so uh, when we do this, uh, there's a new chorus, guys. You guys get in the middle. It's okay. Morgan, you don't, you know, show them the way. Show them the way. Yeah, that's good. Don't worry about it. Yeah, j dance around. Who cares, right? Morgan will stop you. Anyway, so when we do this song, there's a brand new chorus to it. I'm going to teach this to you. Are you guys ready? Are you ready to learn the new, new chorus, all right? It goes like this, all right? Holy, holy, hope in a manger for you and for me. So how easy is that? You guys know the other part a lot better, though, right? So even if you don't, pretend, all right? Just pretend, right? You're just going to scream out as loud as you need to when we do. Are you ready? I can see that you're ready to do this. Yes. Your father, oh, he's, he's the same way. Here we go. So here's the song. It's called Silent Night. You might have known the other sections a lot easier, but go ahead and just, when we get to that spot, I want you to be able to sing about this Silent Night. Silent night, holy night, only is cold, only is bright, round yon virgin mother and child, holy and so It's really easy, you guys. Gonna sing this real loud. Here we go.
a brand new spot, guys. And even if you don't, just pretend like you do. Here we go. Helping me out, yes! Nice job, everybody. And now, two of my dear, dear friends will come to this stage. Right now. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas. Wow. The spirit's here. So, yep. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas. Oh. <laughs> well, this is probably people that have been up way too long. These, these are the ones who stayed up waiting for Santa. Oh, yeah. Wonder if he made it. He doesn't show up till you're asleep, so. Yeah, oh, that's true. I forgot yeah. about that. Hey, uh, we're glad that you chose to come and join us on our Christmas worship today. My name is John. I'm one of the ministers here. This is Ben Webb, and I'm also a minister here. We're glad that you are, man. I appreciate so. that. I'm and we're glad, glad that you are, too. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. And again, we're glad that you're here. Hey, you've got an announcement for us real quick. I have one quick announcement. As you walk out these doors to your left, we have our giving wall because we believe this is the season of giving, not receiving. And so we want to give to our community. We've got four different agencies, missions, groups that we're working with, partnering with to be able to support them and help them out. And we are still taking those donations. So if you brought them in today, there's the buckets for them over there as well. But you can still bring them in next week. Yeah, feel free. If, you, if maybe you forgot, feel free to bring them next week. Uh, we'll, we'll get them to those different organizations. Three of them are helping 
kids here in our community, one's helping senior citizens. And so uh, we've already been able to bless them in a great way uh, because of you guys. And uh, they've been so appreciative of that. And we just look forward to continuing to be able to do that yep. uh, throughout this Christmas season. So did you see Doc during that silent Dude, night? I'll tell you, I, I don't know that I have ever seen him as moved during saw, a song of I worship. Saw, I saw a lot of this. I think that's. Yeah, and I uh, saw like was there a tissue? Julie was patting his eyes with oh, the man. with the tissue. So, it was beautiful. I mean, Silent Night, Holy Night is one of his favorite Christmas carols. Well, I think it's because it's probably the most accurate yeah. depiction of what happened. Oh, it, you had you know it yeah. had to be a Silent Night. Every baby I've ever held was silent. Yes, yeah. yes. <clears throat> and Every I'm sure Mary one. had nothing but great things to say to Joseph, just like Christina. I'm when sure. You, yeah, at yeah. the birth of your three children. Super kind, super nice, and sweet. Nothing but encouragement. It's good yeah, stuff, yeah. yeah. I mean, I am so glad I married you. It yeah, probably yeah. came out of her mouth, not yeah, mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out of her mouth, yeah. yeah. You just made it weird, but yeah, that's great. So. All right. <laughs> we've, got, we've got a game for the kids that we want to do. So, uh, this is a great Christmas time. Trivia. It's a great time to stop this, and we're going to move on. So there's a, this is a good little um, uh, practice one. We're going to be giving out some prizes to some kids if they can get some of these questions right. But as a so, practice, yeah, a our Christmas first one here. For you. How many reindeer pull Santa's sleigh? Ooh, who knows that answer? This is a debatable one. I you can shout nine. this one out because this is just practice. How many? How many? How many? Six. I hear I six. I think if you said nine, I think you're right. But he says eight. Well, I he says eight. In the show that I watch, there's only eight. He said right the eight. song says eight, but there's a whole other song about the other one. So. Okay. So we got a, we got There's another that. we got another practice All right, another question, practice right? question. There's another practice question for you. Oh, we just had that. One. Yeah. There we go. The Grinch lives close to which town? Louisville. That's correct. You, I thought I heard him say Louisville. In Kentucky, in Kentucky, it's pronounced Whoville. Whoville. Oh, yeah. Okay. He lives close to Whoville. Okay. Got you. Okay. Excellent. All right. So, now, are you going or am I? Do I get the you first? go first. I get the first one. Okay. Right. I got, let's see. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go right here. Now, if you get it right, you get a Christmas, a Reese's Christmas tree cake that you get to eat right now, okay? So here's the question. What? you got to think hard on this one, okay? What is the date of Christmas every year? The 25th of what? Hey, good job. There we go. December 25th. Oh, she said that. That was great. I'm over here. Oh, okay. Here I'm we go. I've there. got my friend Riley here with me. Riley, in what year was Jesus born? Zero That's AD. A good one. Zero AD or BC. I think it works. It's zero either way. And I like that answer, so I'm going to give him some candy. Riley got that one right. I'm going to go back here. Riker, did you bring your joystick with you today? Huh? What is that? like a punchy thing. Oh, so you hit it instead of your sister? Yes. Okay, gotcha. Okay, here we go. Riker, here's the question for you. If you get this right, I got a Reese's Christmas tree cake for you. How did Mary get to Bethlehem? By on a camel? I mean a donkey. On a, oh, on a donkey. There we go. Camel, donkey, uh, uh, cam donkey. Yeah. How's that? No, no, just a donkey. There we go. We'll go with that. Good job, bud. Yeah. Okay, Ben. Hey, do you know what you call a camel with three humps? I do not. Pregnant. All right, here we go. Next question. Jesus was born in what kind of a building? The stable nest. Yeah, in the stable. Very good. Hey, the, the question got asked over here, did you take that joke from Doc? The camel with three humps. 
No, I took it from the wonderful movie Zootopia. Oh, okay. Yeah, here yeah. we go. Let's see. I got, I got a, I got a Begley boy right here. We're gonna, we'll slap here by mom. Okay. Here we go. What kinds of animals were present at Jesus's birth? Um, I think one of them is a donkey. Anything else? Sheep. Sheep. We go. We go with that donkey and sheep. Sounds like good, right? Here we go. Congratulations, young man. We'll give one to your brother so he doesn't hate you. All right. Last question, I think. And this is, a, this is a debatable one, so you can actually give us some input here, okay? We're going to ask the question, how many kings or wise men visited Jesus at his birth? Now, you get to tell us whether it was actually kings or wise men because no one knows. So you can tell us that and then how many, okay? It was, it was either both of them and there were three wise men at it was, a, it was a combination of kings and wise men, and there were three of them. That seems realistic to me. I think I get that. Yeah. Hey, hey, bonus, he gets an extra one if he can name the three of them. Do you know the three names? Do you know the names? No. No, he, he, wasn't, he said he wasn't there, so he oh. doesn't know their names. I still think it's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It could be. Right? Okay, it's my turn. My turn to play the Grinch, right? That's my job this place. Isn't that cool? I enjoy the myths and legends and fairy tales of any sort, don't you? I love the imagination, the magic. I love the hope and the courage and the honor that oftentimes they stir. I like playing the Grinch. It's fun. But despite the Grinch I play, I, watch, I love to watch my grandkids in a fairy tale, watching Cinderella, Beauty and the Beast, Rapunzel, Snow White, Sleeping Beauty, Little Mermaid, Aladdin. Did I miss your favorite? And how about the Chronicles of Narnia by Lewis or the Lord of the Rings by Tolkien? They're just masterpieces. Alice in Wonderland, Harry Potter. They're fun. And I enjoy the myths and the legends and the fairy tales of Christmas, don't you? Ebenezer Scrooge. Christmas Carol, the Grinch, trying to ruin Christmas until he encounters Cindy Lou Who, the gift of the Magi, great story. If you've not read it, you need to look that one up. Rudolph, the Nutcracker, believe it or not, watching our kids at the Frankfurt School of Ballet perform the Nutcracker brought me to tears. It was beautiful and imaginative. And Christmas movies, I love Christmas movies, don't you? Rocky IV. Rocky Balboa versus Ivan Drago on Christmas Day. How cool is that? Lethal Weapon, maybe the second best Christmas movie ever made, right? And Die Hard, by far the best Christmas movie ever made. Ladies, if you want to give your husbands a Christmas gift, a movie marathon today. Christmas movie marathon right here, guys, right? Santa, Christmas trees, Christmas lights, Christmas presents, Christmas dinner. Turkey ham for you. For us, it's beef. We raise cows. Christmas desserts, they're the best. Although I have to admit, I really don't like most Christmas music. I really don't. I don't think any Christmas music should be allowed until December 24 and needs to be banned after December 25, right? And I'm also suspicious of all these new Christmas traditions, although I'm not sure why they call them traditions when they're new. Stuff like Elf on a Shelf, Santa's Little Spies, Mench on a bench for those who celebrate Hanukkah instead of Christmas. The North Pole ninja elves, believe it or not, spreading kindness around the world. 
star from afar, the gnome in your home, and believe it or not, a Christmas pickle. That's got to be the dumbest of them all, isn't it? A Christmas pickle. Still, I enjoy myths and legends and fairy tales. Even the myths and legends and fairy tales that have attached themselves to the story of Jesus and his birth. They're fantasy, but they're fun. You do know that a whole lot of what we believe about the birth of Jesus is more fairy tale than history, right? Let's start here. On what day of the year was Jesus born? Well, December 25, duh, right? Probably not. In fact, I think the odds of the birthday of Jesus being December 25 are significantly less than one in 365. But I really don't care. I think it's as good as any day to celebrate the second most important event in history. I think Easter is the most important event in history. But the earliest Jesus followers didn't even celebrate the birth of Jesus for about three centuries. And it was about eight centuries before they made it a serious Christian holiday. So why did we settle on December the 25th? There's no easy answer to that question. Earliest Christians actually suggested several possible dates. March 21, March 25, April 15, that's my favorite. How would you like Christmas and, and tax day to be the same day? I can guarantee you'd spend less, right? The church in Rome started celebrating Christmas on December 25 in 336 A.D. during the reign of Constantine. You may have heard of him. He was the emperor who made Christianity legal 300 years after Jesus. And I know some people are going to tell you that Christmas, we Christians stole a pagan holiday, right? I don't care. I mean, the pagans knew about this winter solstice. That's the shortest day of the year. By the way, the exact moment of the winter solstice this year was last Wednesday, the 21st, at 4.48 p.m. From now on until June 21, we're going to add about two minutes of light per day, right? Isn't that cool? Anyway, the people back in the world of Jesus knew what was happening. They knew that the sun was going to come back, so they partied, right? Romans had a festival on the 25th celebrating the rebirth of Mithra, sun god. Other people connected to a Roman holiday called Saturnalia, where they celebrated the Roman god Saturn about a week before the winter solstice. And they'd party and they'd give each other gifts, kind of like we do. Bottom line, I don't care. They celebrated their wannabe gods. Maybe we took it over to celebrate the real God. I'm good with that. So why not? December 25, maybe, maybe not. Guys, we're not even sure what year it was. Some people say it's year zero. Some people say it's year one. Everything before the birth of Jesus is B.C., before Christ. Everything after the birth of Jesus is A.D., Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord. So they kind of make Jesus' birth the dividing line of time, which is fitting. Jesus was born, however, in the days of Herod the king. That's what it says. And this Herod the king is even going to try to murder baby Jesus. And when scholars today try to date the death of Herod, he dies about 4 B.C., four years before Christ, which means that Jesus had to have been born before zero or one. Most of the time, we figure he was born sometime between 4 and 7 B.C., which is kind of funny. 
Actually, we got the date from a guy named Dionysius Exegus. Isn't that a great name? Dionysius the Humble. And he kind of put together the Christian calendar. He came up with B.C. and A.D., and he did this about 500 years after Jesus. And bottom line, he got the dates wrong. He's the guy who got it all started. And bottom line, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter a hill of beans. Birth of Jesus is still the second most important event in history. Jesus coming into our world is still the turning point of history for every single man, woman, and child for all of time, everywhere. Sometimes the myths and the legends and the fairy tales attached to the birth story itself. How did Mary get to, to Bethlehem? I mean, you can tell on our cards, right? She rode a donkey. It's right there. But did you know that the Bible doesn't say anything about Mary riding on a donkey? All it says is that Joseph and Mary went. They went to Bethlehem, and it doesn't say how. She could have ridden on a camel. She could have ridden on a horse. She might have ridden uh, ridden on a, a cart of some sort. Might have been a donkey. She might have walked. In fact, I kind of suspect she did walk because they were rather poor. Think of it, guys. 65 miles on foot or even on a donkey, nine months pregnant. How would that do, ladies? Would you like to try something like that? She's one tough kid, right? I mean, she's probably 12 or 13 or 14 years old, nine months pregnant, making this 65-mile trip, either on foot or riding in some fashion. That'd be tough. It'd be different if Joseph had a Jeep or something, but bottom line, it doesn't matter how she got there. And then there's this part about Jesus being born in a barn. I mean, you've always heard something like this. They laid Jesus in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Probably not. I mean, Bethlehem was a tiny little village, and they didn't have a lot of hotels back then. It probably didn't have an inn per se. And the word that is used by Luke usually is translated something like a guest room. No room for them in the guest room. Because back then their houses were different than our houses. Usually they just had two rooms. You'd have a large family and living room. That's where they did life. And then attached to it would be a place where the animals would come at night, their little stable. And the mangers would actually be in the house where the animals would come at night. And I know it might might be kind of malodorous, but they'd get used to it, and the animals would provide a little bit of heat if it was a cold night. If it was a larger house, they might have a guest room that would be up above or perhaps extended from the house. Mary's going to have a baby. There's no room in the guest room. It's a full house, so they clear it out and let her have the baby over where the animals usually are brought in at night, probably shooing them out first. In other words, back in the time of Jesus, the barn was probably in the house. That's probably where Jesus was born. And people back then were extraordinarily hospitable, especially with family. Joseph and Mary probably stayed with family because everybody was gathering at their hometown. There was no room for them in the guest room, especially for a woman having a baby. So they probably cleared off the animals in the house and let her have the baby over there and laid the baby in a feeding trough. Bottom line, it doesn't matter whether Jesus is born in a stable, a barn, a cave, or a house. And then on our Christmas cards, Jesus is always surrounded by all these animals, right? In fact, we're told in that little song that we just sang, the cattle are lowing and the baby awakes, but little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Seriously? 
Have you ever heard a cow lowing or bellowing or mooing? They can make a lot of noise. And I'm going to tell you that if a cow starts bawling right next to a newborn baby, I think the baby's going to be squalling too. Don't you think? I think a way in the major is seriously messed up. And our nativity scenes have these cows and the shepherds bring in their sheep and the wise men have their camels and there's the donkey. Believe it or not, in some of the earliest Christian stories, even lions and leopards and dragons came for Jesus' birth so they could bend their knees to the Christ child. Probably not. People probably chased all of the animals out of the house so that Mary could birth her baby. Bottom line, it doesn't matter. I don't care. Because they are not the point of the story. I mean, even the wise men. How many wise men were there? Three, right? Matthew doesn't say. It just says magoi, magi. Wise men, maybe, came from the east looking for Jesus. Matthew tells us they worship the child and they present him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And we suppose that because there were three gifts, there were three wise men. Maybe. In fact, some of the early uh, Christian storytellers even gave them names. You've got Gaspar and Melchior and Balthazar. But we don't know. There could have been five of them. There could have been ten of them. They may have had an entourage with them, guards perhaps. But it doesn't matter. And even calling them wise men is a stretch because it actually looks like that they were pagan astrologers of some sort, maybe even pagan priests, the kind of guys that good Jews were supposed to keep their distance from. So why in the world wouldn't God invite pagan priests to the birth of Jesus? And our Christmas cards always have these wise men right there at the birth but if you read the story carefully, probably not. It says after Jesus was born, after he was born, that during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the guy who's been born king of the Jews? After he was born. Weeks later, months later, years later, they eventually made it to Jesus, but they weren't there at the birth itself. Does it matter? Does any of this stuff really diminish the wonder and the power of the real Christmas story? Listen, guys, people are going to try to poke holes in the Christmas story. They're going to say things like this, you Christians just took over a pagan holiday. I would answer, so? Sounds good to me. You guys probably got the day wrong. So? Don't much care. You guys probably got the year wrong. So? Don't care. Jesus probably wasn't born in an actual barn with a, a weird star perched on the roof, surrounded by an animals and wise men. So, cool picture, isn't it? Kids are going to go to school and they're going to hear people try to poke holes in the story. You're going to go online and you're going to read people trying to poke holes in the story. You're going to watch specials on TV that try to poke holes in the accretions to the Christmas story. And none of it matters. Don't let the myths of Christmas make you miss the truth of Christmas. Don't let the myths of Christmas cause you to miss the truth of Christmas. The truths of Christmas matter to every single one of us for all of time. And the truths of Christmas, guys, are wilder than any of the fairy tales, any of the legends, any of the myths. 
The truths of Christmas are wilder than Santa Claus or a Grinch or an elf on a shelf. Have you actually let the wildness of the real Christmas story blow your mind? Think about it, guys. Listen to the way that the Apostle John puts it. In the beginning, and he's talking about our beginning, not Jesus' beginning. You're going to find that out. In our beginning, right, the word, we're going to find out this word means Jesus. He's called the word here. In our beginning, the word of God, Jesus, already existed. You know how we could do that? Because he was both with God and he was actually God. And if that doesn't make sense, just understand that if you think God fits into your little brain, you're crazy, right? And to make sure you don't miss it, he says he existed in the beginning with God, in the very beginning, pre-existent, eternal. And then here's the next piece. Here's what he says. God created everything through this word. We're going to find out that's Jesus. God created everything through him. Nothing was created except through him. Doesn't want you to miss it. He is the one who spoke the universe into existence. He is the one who spoke you into existence. Make sure that you don't misunderstand. He says it twice, right? This universe did not pop into existence on its own as if by magic. That's not science. That's crazy. God did it. Through Jesus, John tells us. And here's the part that gets wild, wilder than any fairy tale ever invented. Have you ever heard the phrase, truth is stranger than fiction? Well, think about this one, guys. John tells us the Word, the one who existed from the very beginning, the one who spoke everything into existence, the Word became human and he made his home among us. In other words, guys, God, the eternal one, our creator, entered through the world that he made through the birth canal of a teenage peasant. That's wild. The absurdity of this scene is almost incomprehensible. A bewildered teenage peasant bearing what her friends and family are gonna consider an illegitimate child and think about it, guys. Mary, as I said, was probably 12, 13, 14 years old, scandalously pregnant, because in that world, getting pregnant before marriage could actually get you killed. And there's Joseph, a blue-collar nobody, apparently buying her story that God did it. Would you buy that story from your pregnant fiancé, even if an angel appeared to you to try to confirm it? And there he is, the Son of God, the turning point of history, the touchstone of your life, laying in a feeding trough. It's a wild story. There in this peasant's house, the Son of God, the Messiah, Emmanuel, which means God with us, the Creator Himself, dependent on a child to keep Him warm. Go figure. To carry Him around, swat away the insects, to protect him from the jabs of excited children. If that doesn't blow your mind, guys, you don't get it. A humble God, a courageous God, a God who's willing to show himself not as a whirlwind or a devouring fire, but as a baby. A God who's willing to be thought of as Joseph and Mary's mistake, 
a God who was willing to be considered a carpenter's kid. There's nothing wilder than the real Christmas story. I mean, the Bible says that the one who's bigger than the universe itself passed through the birth canal of a frightened teenager. The Bible says that the one whose days are numberless actually drew a first breath. It says the one who could rattle the heavens with his finger would flail his arms as a little girl rocked him. The one who spoke the world into existence with a word lays there babbling and cooing like a baby. The Apostle John says the word, this Jesus, came into the world that he created and the world didn't recognize him. No kidding. How could it? Can you imagine how it would have been different if they had recognized him for who he truly was? If the owner of that house had known who the baby really was, do you think he would have let Joseph and Mary borrow his feeding trough for the child? I think he'd have cleared the house of everybody and then killed every one of his animals as sacrifices. It's the kind of thing that they did back then. Can you imagine if the residents of Bethlehem had understood who this was? Not just the Messiah. Bethlehem was the city of David. They expected the, the Messiah to come from the city of David, but actually God with us. No one expected the Messiah to be God. Can you imagine what they would have done had they recognized Jesus for who he truly was? Or would they have been as stupid as we can be sometimes when we get consumed instead with the lights and the presence and the family during Christmas? It's a wild story. It's an extraordinary scene. It is a scene that nobody could have choreographed. A teenage peasant, scandalously pregnant, convinced by an angel that this is God's plan. She had to be scared to death. An equally scared, equally scandalized young man, without doubt disgraced, but convinced by an angel that his pregnant fiance was still a virgin and it was his job to stand by her. A master of the house, oblivious that he was looking into the face of God, providing a feeding trough for his creator. Shepherds, misfits in that world, enraptured by the idea that God would invite them to the birth of the Messiah, had they known that it wasn't just the Messiah, but their God, Emmanuel, God with us. And these wise men, magi, pagan astrologers, pagan priests, but apparently God seekers, drawn to this place by a star and somehow convinced that this was incredibly a king. Have you ever heard the phrase, he's the reason for the season? You ever heard that phrase? Well, that is truth from one perspective. But perhaps from God's perspective, there's a higher truth. And you need to get this. There's Joseph and Mary, scared, confused, about to live a life that's going to be hard. And God whispers to them, you guys are the reason for the season. You, Mary, and you, Joseph. It's kids like you that he came. Owner of the house, oblivious that he's in his in the presence of his creator and, and God whispers it was for guys like you that Jesus came to be your savior and your Lord to help you find the life that he created you for you're the reason for the season low life shepherds pagan astrologers and God whispers it was for you guys it was for you guys that he came it was for you and yours 
to point you towards God, to make it possible for you to reconnect with God. You guys are the reason for the season, God whispers. And I'm serious about this, guys. God looks at every single one of you. He looks at every single one of us, and he says, you are the reason he came. You are the reason for the season. You are the reason Jesus came into this world to give us life to the fullest. Just embrace his son. If you think about it, the story fits Jesus. It's so consistent with the choices that he made his whole life. He spoke into existence everything that we see and know. And yet he chose to live among us virtually penniless. Go figure. As God, he says, the heavens were his footstool. And he chose to feel the pangs of an empty stomach, the throbbing of aching feet, cold and wet without shelter. As God, there were no unsolved mystery, no philosopher, scientist, or academic could ever pose a question that would stump him. And yet he chose to present himself without distinction, no formal training, no degrees, no status. As God, we are told he could have called legions of angels to do his bidding. Even if he needed their protection or their obeisance, which he didn't, any of these mighty creatures would have sacrificed themselves for his glory and honor. And yet he chose, as his entourage, farm boys and fishermen. As God, he always has been. As God, he always will be. And yet he chose to taste his own blood, to feel his flesh torn, to struggle as his body screamed in agony, and to feel his life ebb away for you and for me. Hmm. Guys, don't get so caught up in the Christmas fairy tales that you fail to look, truly look into the feeding trough. Who do you see there? What do you see there? Do you care? Should you care? Why don't you stand with me? And I'm going to read one version of the Christmas story. We stand in his honor. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the very beginning with God. And God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word, Jesus, gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. His light shines in the darkness, and the darkness will never, ever extinguish it. He came into the world he created. The world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Are you there? Reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a rebirth that comes from God. Here it is. So the Word became human and made his home among us, and he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. You can be seated. You see, guys, that first Christmas may have been the second most deceptive event 
in history because he looked like a baby, fragile, helpless, and he was. Who could have guessed that he was the Christ child? Who could have guessed that he was actually Emmanuel, God with us? And who could have known that he came into this world to choreograph the most deceptive event in history? How could God die? How could one who is eternal draw his last breath? Why would the Creator step into creation to die for his messed up creatures? And there he was, hanging on a cross, and then dead. What more convincing proof could there ever be that Jesus was an imposter? Until Easter, three days later, the single most important event in all of history. The reason that we're here in church on Christmas. Where else could we be? The Apostle John says his life brought light to everyone. And his light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Guys around the world, at each of the, around the room in each of the worship stations, you're going to find a candle that is lit. They represent Jesus, the light of the world. And he brought light to every single one of us. So we're going to do the Lord's Supper a little differently this morning. In a moment, I'm going to invite you to come to the tables to celebrate Jesus, to thank him for what he's done for us. When you get to the worship stations, we're going to ask you to do it a little differently. We want you to eat the Lord's Supper right here at the table. A friend, maybe someone you don't know, share it with them. A family, perhaps, share the Lord's Supper together right here before you go back and sit down. Because as soon as you take the Lord's Supper, there's some baskets of candles around the room. We'd like you to take one of the candles and light it off the Christ candle and take it back to your seat. As you're doing this, Steve and our worship team are going to be singing a very special song, a little different than you expect, O Come All You Unfaithful, which is fitting, right? And then we're going to close our worship with a great song and have an invitation time if you want to talk about making Jesus Lord of your life or making Capital City your home. I'm going to ask you to just meet me down front here in the next few minutes. And that's how we'll close our service. So guys, you're welcome to come to the tables.
Would you all be seated for just a moment? Charles and family, if you don't mind coming up here. That's so cool. Yeah, you can even bring your candles if you want. You're safe. This is Charles Wentworth and Rebecca and Elias, Caitlin, and Brian. Did I get it? All right, cool. And they're here this morning. I think it's perfect. They want to join our church family. Isn't that cool? It's hard to clap with the candle in your hands, isn't it? Go ahead and do it. See what happens, all right? But I'm going to ask him to make this confession of faith. This is what makes us family. It's so cool. Just repeat, if you would. I believe. I believe. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is Christ. Son of the living God. Son of the living God. My Lord and my Savior. My Lord and my Savior. Guys, that's what makes us family, right? And they want to join us, and our job is to drag each other to heaven. That is so cool, and we're so glad you came and chose this day. Thank you so much, Charles. Thank you. And guys, thank you guys for being here, and I hope you come back January 1st. We'll start out the new year right, right, right here in the church family, okay? You guys are welcome to go. Thanks.